You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. We've got a cool show. We're going to, Goldberg and I are going to go, uh, we're going to start talking about the Senna and collectability of some of these cars. And then we'll touch a little bit on uh, uh, driving the GT500 and the Bentley Continental uh, GT and uh, a couple of other things as well that I think you guys will enjoy. Before we get started, a uh, word from our friends at Geico. You know, we, uh, we're apart these days, but we are sharing more. And Geico would just like to say thanks for that. Thanks for sharing all your videos of dance moves and DIY haircut fails and all kinds of fun stuff that you've been posting. And it's Geico's turn to share as well with the Geico Giveback. It's a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. And because Geico's committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Go to geico.com slash giveback for more information. That's geico.com slash giveback. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the Motorator DeAndre, with Bill Goldberg. Uh, how you doing, Bill? I'm great, man. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, see you're inside today. Yeah, you know, it's a little windy hot outside. Hot. <laughs> it's hot. Well, it's not nearly as hot as it was yesterday. I mean, we had a nice little quote unquote cold front come through and it knocked it from 100 down to 91. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're out of the thick of it. You kidding me? It's, it's June, beginning of June, and it's already 100 degrees here. So I, I'm not questioning my move by any stretch, but man, it's going to be hotter than hell. Later. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hot. Like I, I did a lot of years in Arizona growing up as a kid. And, oh, man. Oh, man it oh was, but that's, that's dry heat. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. It's still yeah, hot. Whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, still it's hot. Now. Like even when I came out to California, I, I wanted to be as close to the water living in Venice or like, you know, I've always lived in Venice and Santa Monica area. I just, don't get the whole like hey move to the valley and uh basically pay roughly the same amount of rent and just have it be 20 degrees hotter when i leave yeah. the studio here in the summer i'll leave the studio and by the time i drive home in about 45 minutes to an hour you could see the temperature drop almost a full 30 degrees you know on Good average God. at least 20 something between and during that hour drive just going from from uh, out here in you know in Glendale Burbank to to Venice, but uh, yeah, uh, you're uh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm prepping for it. That's for sure. Uh, out there every day in it, but you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, man. It's all good. Uh, yeah. So uh, we were talking a little bit about um, about uh, some of the posts you had up on on Instagram lately, uh, you know, posts about the car. We all want to get into that and uh, uh, some of the stuff that Gearhead's been doing on the Charger. We'll have to talk to those guys as well. We'll, we'll get them on the show and get an update on that. Um, but this, uh, you know, it's a little side venture you got going on being in, in the production world uh, as you are um, and the live events world. Uh, you teamed up with a buddy of yours to do these clean hand solutions, and we'll just do a quick plug for it. So if anybody's out there and they're planning events and or productions or, uh, you know, like block party stuff, uh, it, it, you know, like concerts, things like that, like how are how are all of those things going to happen with some amount of social distancing? And uh, so you and a buddy uh, uh, came up with certainly one of the things that 
will probably be a requirement at these at these events, right? Yeah, I mean, not only is it a requirement, but I mean, it's we got a new norm, man. I mean, there's no question about it. Everybody's extremely conscious about keeping their hands clean, and especially after going out, going to the restroom. So, I mean, you go to these live events, and you see all the porta potties outside, and there's really no available uh, area to wash your hands and, and to stay clean. You listen to everybody, and uh, the 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 best way to not transmit the coronavirus is obviously keep your hands clean. And, you know, wear a mask, but, you know, uh, uh, to be part of the solution, um, we tried to think outside of the box. There were a number of people that didn't have jobs at the time. There were a number of trailers that didn't have, uh, it didn't have a purpose. You know, we, they were, they were lot allotted for production purposes. Obviously everything in LA is put on the, on the back burner. So, um, he was thinking outside of the box and I was, you know, he, he picked up the phone and, and we came up with this, and uh, I, I think it's a great idea. I think, like I said, there's a new norm. And uh, the best way to describe it is go to cleanhandsolutions.com. Um, that's the best way for you to really understand it as a whole, because I am, uh, uh, from time to time, not the best spokesperson, as you can tell. But uh, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, we thought there was a, de a definite demand for it, and so... Uh, that's 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 the story that I'm so, sticking to. So so these are these are trailers. They're kind of like when you go to events, you have the porta johns like at the racetrack or whatever. But then uh, there are a handful of of the nicer ones. Like you you know you go up the steps. It's the big white trailer. They got the the, the portable bathrooms in there, which. Uh, obviously not a lot of events have those because they're more expensive and they're fancier. But what you guys did is basically build a version of that. That's just sync. So imagine going up to a, a big trailer, like a merchandise trailer where the, where the whole side opens up and you can buy t-shirts and hats at a venue. Well, imagine the whole side opening up and there's just a line of sinks and paper towels and whatever, and everything's nice and clean and, and, uh, and whatnot. So you guys can rent out these trailers for events, um, uh, you know, like you said, yeah, events they're, or they're, productions they're, or whatever. So. They're for rent. They're for they're for uh, for lease. Um, they come anywhere from four four bays to eight bays to ten bays to twelve bays. So all different kind of sizes. We're we're working on portable ones now that just have uh, three to six wash stations. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just think it's a great idea, man. So. So there you have it, man. Keep your hands clean. And and another thing that Matt came up with is uh, with uh, proper placement of ultraviolet lights in each of the bays. You close the thing for forty five seconds, and it actually it actually cleans itself. So um, disinfects itself. So any 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 anything any bacteria in there after a certain period of time, it kills ninety eight percent of it. You have a an attendant, you know, wipe up the extra two percent. There's an area where it, where it doesn't get the the entire surface, but um, just a great idea. And mm -hmm. I think it's mm -hmm. going to be the new norm for sure. Yeah. Well, good luck with that venture. I think it's going to be interesting and I'm sure you're going to see it on the sets of your own productions as you're going back. Uh, now, now they say here, uh, uh, I believe the announcement was uh, June 12th where, you know, LA is allowed to start doing some productions. Um, I'm sure all of these rules are going to apply, and I'm sure people are starting to scramble to to figure out what the rules are going to be and how to make that happen. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, film and TV productions can start to happen, you know, 
Uh, I'm waving Gage off. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he well, thought Gage, I called him. I was yelling. Oh, Gage could come in and say hi. We're always we're, uh, lovely to catch up uh, with him. It's all good. Um, uh, anyway, that's what's so fun about what, about doing these zooms and watching everybody doing a zoom or watching everybody, you know, doing the, like a reunion for for television shows and putting these uh, these events on over the past couple of months. <laughs> you see dogs coming in. You see people farting on the screen. You see kids running by. <laughs> There's all kind of stuff going on. So there is yeah. actually watching some of the fails, some of the, like a lot of newscasters trying to do their stuff from the from their oh, kitchen, God. and people walking by is kind of funny. But uh, anyway, car news. Let's get on to some car news because uh, that's what we do here. Um, uh, so yeah, how's that been? So the Bentley was fantastic. Believe it or not, the Bentley was fantastic. So. Uh, I've been driving. But how do you say? How can you say? Believe it or not, I, I mean, I would assume that that car would be nothing but fantastic. I, you know, yes, but the so I got the Bentley Continental GT. It's a first edition, um, uh, and they have a a twin turbo V8, and they have the V12. And the V12 is a little bit faster, a little bit heavier, a little more luxurious, a little more expensive. Um, but it is nice to have sort of this V8 version as well. By the way, the V8 version is still zero to sixty in like three and a half seconds, three point seven, and the twelve is like three point four. So it's it's more of a status thing than it is a performance thing. Um, they sent it over in uh, in in black, just straight up gloss black with a beautiful red. Uh, Dark red interior, diamond stitch, all the nice bits. A little odd that a press car showed up in black because they're so hard to photograph. They're just basically a mirror, um, but it looked fantastic. And uh, uh, and Adam and I had to do some stuff this weekend. We had some errands to run. We had some places to go and uh, uh, meet up with some people uh, all up along the coast of Ventura County, Malibu area. And I said, well, I'll just pick you up. Let's Let's take the car out. And let's try it. And every mile you put on that car, you're like, it, it gets better and better. You realize it's super comfortable. It's got heated and ventilated seats. It's got massage in the seats that and there are different versions of it that you can put on. The sound system's great. Everything is built top notch. You feel the quality, like when you're trying to adjust the AC vents or feel the grill on the speakers, like that's machine billet. You know, it's not a piece of tin, like it's good. And, uh, uh, it was it was good. It was a fun car. Now the previous Continental GT was built on the VW Phaeton platform, and mm. that platform wasn't super successful, largely because that engine was so far forward, almost in front of the axle, and it just put so much weight on the front. It didn't handle well. And the Continental GT, they started throwing some horsepower at it. Uh, on the previous version, so it was quick in a straight line. But that's really about it. The new Continental GT is based on the Porsche Panamera platform. So it's much better balanced. And so if you take the Porsche Panamera and Bentley puts their spin on the suspension tuning and the airbag adjustments and it gives a lot that really nice ride. Uh it 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 was a it was a great car to to drive and do what we had to do had to do this past weekend. Uh, and then uh, yesterday, I gave it back and swapped it out for the new Shelby GT500, <laughs> which— Okay, you, you went from one end of the spectrum uh, to the next? Yeah. Kind of? Uh, kind of, yeah. Uh, 
you guys know I'm a fan of this car, not just because it's a Mustang, but uh, it really is the pinnacle of the Mustang world. 760 horsepower. It's seven-speed panel paddle shift. It's a it's a it's a seven-speed DCT. It's a dual clutch transmission. It's actually made by Tremec, who made all the manual transmissions for for us at Vipers and Camaros and and Mustangs and and whatever. Um, uh, Tremec developed it for them. It only it only comes one way. It only comes in in the DCT. And when they launched this car at their event in Vegas uh, last year, I was invited out. Uh, they, you know, they did a few days of of their whole presentation. You go out, you talk to the engineers, you talk to the designers, you get in the car, you drive through the canyons, you experience it for a few hours, and then they brought us to the road race course at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We were able to do laps around there. And then we switched cars and got other GT500s. They had about a dozen of them out there. We went to the drag strip, and there was another team there that's like, here's the launch control and the built-in Christmas tree, and you can try to launch it here, and we can change the RPM launch for you. And they were great putting on a a, a really cool event. Um, But I – after that, I wanted to get on the list to to get the car home and what is it like sort of in the real world. Um, so I've got it now. I've only had it for about a day, so we'll talk a little bit more about it about it next week. But obviously, I'm a fan. Um, but you know, it it starts at about eighty grand. It can work its way up to about a hundred thousand. Um, kind of in the same realm as the new C8 Corvette. And we'll we'll talk to uh, uh, Alistair Weaver from Edmonds again at some point because they Edmonds bought a C8 Corvette and a GT500, and they optioned them out to be both around 85 grand. So the GT500 doesn't have the wild track pack and carbon fiber wheels. They they have more of the street version of it, which is actually what I'm driving right now. Um, I think the one that I have stickers at 81,000 or 81 and a half. Uh, so it, the carbon track pack is like an $18,000 option. You can get it, and it's cool, and maybe it's a little more collectible. I don't know. But as far as driving it around, uh, you don't necessarily need that. So I'd love to see a comparison from from Edmonds on the C8 versus the GT500. Uh, but for now, uh, I'll be driving this for a few days. I'll let you guys know uh, how it is around town. Um, but if First, first impressions. Well, you know, because I was on the track with it already, I kind of got spoiled. Instead of driving it on the street for a week and then yeah, hitting so a track that's, day, that's a, um, uh, it's you know, it's it's fantastic. It makes the right noises. It makes the right you know, it it, it handles great. And the what we're able to do now in these modern day muscle cars and 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 the luxury cars as well is with magnetic ride and the different modes. I mean. Here's a Mustang. Yeah, here's a Mustang that's eighty thousand. But you don't, you don't even need to buy the GT five hundred to get some of the same features. You know, mm. launch control and the Christmas tree drag launch program that they have in it. You can adjust the RPMs, adjustable suspension, adjustable steering feedback, uh, uh, the, the sport mode, the track mode, the normal mode, and then you can program your own my mode. Uh, I mean, all of this adjustability, it it really is kind of what BMW was doing with their M buttons, their M1 and their M2, mm-hmm. you know, M modes. But 
you usually you would find that in a car that was you know pretty expensive and to be able to have those features in a much more affordable car kind of bridges the gap between the muscle cars that we like and also like the BMW M5s and M4s that we like and the Audis and and mm-hmm. even as you step up to to you know Corvette and and Acura NSX and Ferrari and and you know you know it the performance of these cars are so similar you really start to buy the car based on I don't know aesthetics affordability you know things like that because they're all they're all making the same horsepower they're all going just as fast as each other um it's good i look it's, you, ba- it's back to brand loyalty it, it really is um and in some cases it's collectability or production numbers or just what you what you like aesthetically uh you know but what do you think about the about the the about that world right now with so many different options and so many cars that can be optioned, you know, uniquely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just wondering what the market's going to look like in 20 years. You know, there's so many cars that are flooding the market that are valuable now that you would assume down the road are going to be valuable also, but will the same rules apply? It, it it may take a little longer, and it won't necessarily apply to everything. Look, uh, the the idea for a lot of these cars, um, you know, the limited production ones, uh, you know, your, the Demon, maybe the GT five hundred, um, this uh, the 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 Challenger fiftieth anniversary that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. The idea is, look, almost all cars depreciate. There's a select few that don't. Those are the ones that people try to collect. Um, But if you can get a car that depreciates less or even holds its value, it's kind of a win. It's a win in my book. So, well, there's no question because you know it's like playing with money at uh, a casino, and we're playing with the casino's money and walking out with you know where you didn't lose anything. I mean, you, you got free entertainment for that period of time. That, that's how I look at it. That's how I'm seeing it, too. It's like, if you can break even on it, well, you got to drive the car for a number of years. You're absolutely right. You go to Vegas, you drop $200 in the casinos, and you're there for four hours getting some free drinks and having fun. But if you leave that's with 200 bucks, and if you leave with the same 200 bucks in your pocket because you broke even, we're like, all right, that was fun, right? So it's yeah. kind of a version of that. Um but not all of it applies. Look, uh, uh, La Ferrari came out, and we know some guys that bought it. Your brother, I think, has one. Our buddy Ken Lingenfelter got one. And uh, uh, Sammy Hagar, our friend Sammy Hagar, got one. And they were on the list. They're longtime Ferrari owners, so they were sort of given the right to buy it, which is kind of an odd thing, but I get how it works. You get that letter in the mail that says, congratulations, we're going to take $1.5 million of your money. Uh, yeah, just just because you were on the list to buy $10 million of our previous cars, you, you yeah. can, now this one's yours. Pay us, please. But those guys knew and certainly hoped it would turn into free money later. Like, they're not selling it right now, but, you know— you spend a million five, the car jumps to two, 2.2, 2. 2.5. Yeah, right. Enzo as we well. However, what we saw uh, at, at Barrett Jackson 
um, and a few other auctions. Surprisingly, the McLaren Senna, which we think is an amazing car, um, took a little bit of a hit. A lot of people bought it. They thought it was going to be free money, a la Ferrari. But uh, it didn't. And and they were selling, you know, all in with the fees for under a million bucks. You know, I mean, it's not a huge hit if you're spending a million dollars on a car. But, uh, but yeah, I, those guys that bought them weren't expecting to lose a hundred. $150,000, on those cars. They thought they would do better. And maybe they will start to creep up. And I think that could be just an example of when the Senna came out. I like the Senna. When I got up on it in person, there's so much going on, and you realize how cool it is. But when it first came out, the you know, the initial impressions were it doesn't look that good. And, and I think it kind of grew on people, but that stigma is still there. Uh, the LaFerrari is a pretty car. The Enzo is a pretty car. The McLaren P1 is a pretty car. I wouldn't say that the Senna is a pretty car. No, but, they, but I think the Senna was built for a different purpose. The Senna was an F40, basically, yeah. right? And yeah. so I, I got to say that the first time I saw that car in person was at Goodwood years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The first time anybody had really seen it. And I fell in love with the car because it's unique. It's completely different. I love the backstory, obviously. Yeah. And, um, man, the car is violent. And it's, oh my it's, gosh. it's just awesome. But after driving it, I didn't, I can honestly say I did not like the car. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, See, and, I- and I'm, and I'm really, and I'm really surprised that I could say that I don't like that car because, Maybe my expectations were so high and it, it's so raw. I don't know. It's like I said, I compare it with the F40, right? It's, it, it makes noise. It's jerky. It's not smooth, but it's violent and it does what you ask it to do. But I don't think they're, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that sector of the muscle car or the supercar, that supercar sector's even smaller than I thought. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Look, I think it's a specialized I, car. It, it is a specialized car, and you're right. Some people don't love the design, and some people thought it wasn't as great or as comfortable as they wanted it to be. And I think when you get a little bit of those those things going on about the car, it's tough to to get all that money out of it because there are some doubts. Uh, on that car, so you know we'll we'll see what happens for there. But I have uh, a I have a clip of of <clears throat> I have a clip of uh, Kevin Hart driving me around <laughs> in the Senna, yeah, at Bondar at Bondurant, and I've been holding on to it for a very long period of time. And you knew that it happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna post it here soon. But you know, we that if you remember back to that day, we there was a LaFerrari there, yeah. There was a, 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 a Pista there. Um, there was there was a number of different Lamborghinis. The five uh, the five seventy that I hit the deer in was there. Oh, um, the, the McLaren, yeah, yeah. So we got a lot. We we had a lot of cars out on the track, and we got a lot of looks, a lot of different feels, you know. Yeah, and I'm just I was very disappointed with the Senna. I, I can't believe I'm even saying it, but but that. That LaFerrari was unbelievable. Yeah, and that's you know? that's 
That's the consensus on that is people that yeah. love the La Ferrari or getting the La Ferrari. Everybody that gets into it just says they love driving it. And even around town, I mean, look, there's a lot of collectors out there, Sammy Hagar and, 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 uh, and Ken Lingenfelder specifically. Those guys uh, drive it occasionally. They're busy, but also, you know, they take it into the dealer. They, you know, get some service done, get it checked up. And it's that drive where they talk about the most. They go, you know what? I love driving this car. Sure, I went you know, 50 miles today, I went to the dealer and back and, you know, got some service done and stopped for lunch and whatever. And they're like, that's the drive that they love. And and I'm curious if, if because I haven't really seen it, I don't know that that's the drive people love in a Senna. I think you put the Senna would, on a track, people you, are like, oh, this is fantastic. To, yeah, yeah. I, I It's it's a totally different animal, completely different animal. And, and that's what they were gunning for when they built it. But I think that they thought that that sector was going to be larger. I, I don't know. Or, or, or the car falls short. I, I don't know. I was just very surprised that I was as disappointed as I was with it. It was terrifying. Not terrifying, but it was, it was awesome in that it was so fast and so nimble. Yeah. But in between every time you ask it for performance, it's freaking uncomfortable. And it's... It just it, the the field was not there. It was it's weird, man. Yeah. I look at it kind of like that out of the outside of the box Lambo SUV, yeah. Where you know, ten it years is. down the road, it's it's freaking, you know, it's so expensive and it's so exclusive, you know, and, and it's so different that it garnered that much money. Maybe maybe in a perfect world, that's what that turns out to be. 10 years down the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the, the first Lamborghini SUV, the, the, yeah. the, the big yeah, the, boxy not, one. Not the Urus. The, yeah, yeah. the old, the old yeah, one. Yeah, the, the, the big the boxy one. People are paying four to, four to $500,000 yeah. for right now. Yeah, those got kind of crazy. You know, I think um, Chris will probably know. Uh, Adam had interviewed just recently Jay Leno. Yep. And uh, I, I think that's coming out today. We're, we're right. in the studio. This show is coming out today. I think that interview is coming out today. It wasn't for CarCast. It was for uh, it was for Adam Carolla show. Mm-hmm. Um, although I feel like later in the year or something, when we, we've got to do a couple of end of the year best of shows, we should pull that interview and make it a CarCast interview. But uh, Leno and Adam talked about his McLaren F1 that he has, the three-seater one that he has, and kind of he went through the process of how he wanted to buy it, and he, you know, I guess he bought it new from McLaren, but it was a it was a few years after, like they still had a few. Yeah, they, uh, had, they had one left. Yeah. Uh, Every time we talk about this car, I want to vomit. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was out of production, and yeah, he called he called McLaren. Just I know, the car was like, I don't know, like a 94 and he called him in 98. He's like, can I get one? They're like, yeah, we still have one. And he paid whatever the sticker was, 800000 for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, It took and- him two weeks to decide, too. They, they, he said, I'm going to think about it. And then so he, two, weeks, two weeks later, he calls him. like, we still have it, but we have another offer. And Jay just jumped on it. He's like, second. fine, I'll give you the 800000 Now, when Adam asked Jay, because Jay's very prideful of this. He, he loves this, like we all do. What's the current value, he said, of that car? He said fifteen million. Oh, now it's up. <laughs> well, dub dub this out. F- you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I passed. I I told you this story I before. Know. I passed on one at eight hundred. Oh, I didn't God know that. See, now now, <laughs> now I now with Bill. <laughs> <laughs> now now you bring that car up, and I'm imagining you're bringing it up because you look at it in the same vein 
as the Senna, maybe. Possibly. But I mean, it, it's <laughs> the way the way I look at it. It's it, it it can be in its in its way, but it, driving the two, they're not even comparable. Yeah. Yet the the ninety four, you know, is normally aspirated, no power steering, no power brakes, you know, no power, uh, uh, no traction control. The thing is a straight out race car, but it's but but the experience of driving it. It's really hard to explain. It's like a dream for a guy like me. Yeah. The Senate, I was expecting to be the modern version of it, but I just didn't get nearly the same feeling after getting out of the car. Yeah. After driving on the track. And the F1, it took 20 years to get good money out of it. And now that we're 25 years into it, it's hitting that twenty million dollar mark or twenty plus million. But when we started going like I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's an opportunity lost. Listen, J- at- Jay says it's the best investment he's ever made. Yeah, I'm sure it is, son of a bitch. But not only is it the best investment, it's arguably hands down the coolest car by far that I've ever driven. And it's a ninety four or a ninety seven, the one that I drove. Yeah. You know, and and I, I to me, there's nothing you can get into that. I mean, I haven't gotten in the cars. I've had the ability to, to get the press cars that you have had and the norm, the, the mm-hmm. large array. Um, but man, that, that car is a, it's completely in a class of its own. And it's it's amazing that a production street car has been able to really now catch on and increase so much in value like that. Look, we could see it in some racing cars. We can see it in, you know, we, we've seen some big money in the Paul Newman racing car. We've seen a, a lot of the Lamar cars. I mean, certainly a uh, 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 Pig Floyd guy, uh, Rick uh, 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 Mason's car. Uh, his Dave, what he, Dave Mason. Uh, he, he paid, I don't know, he got his... He got his Ferrari racing car or whatever for Nick Mason. Sir. Nick Mason. He got, I don't know what he paid, $48,000, and now it's worth $78 million. <laughs> you know, but he, he bought it new 100 years ago. The 250 uh, GTO? Yeah, yeah, his 250 oh, GTO. Boy, there you go. Uh, now, we saw it at Goodwood because he was there driving it, and then he had a driver, a friend of his that was a driver, um, because they – we're sort of competing with it and uh, he wanted to show that car off. He's had it forever. He takes it to Goodwood. He's got a team that keeps it in shape and restores it. And Nick Mason just goes in and the old man zips up his suit and goes up the hill climb and is nearly $100 million. I would argue $100 million because of this story and, and his celebrity. He's owned it since mm. new, right? I think that adds something to the car. I mean... Uh, oh God! Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, it's not something he would ever sell when we talk to him. But, but if that car went up for for auction, the estimate would be a hundred million dollars on that car. You know, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's fantastic. Like I love that he takes it out there and drives it. I think that's fantastic. And to Leno's credit, Leno is sort of a, a an advocate of of driving his cars and then, and, and he'll say, you know, I'll drive them and then restore them back up and I'll drive them and restore them back up as they need to be. He did a, he did a whole on his McLaren F1. 
He blew that car apart. The engine came out. He did the whole service on the whole thing. And I believe he did it in-house at his garage talking with the McLaren people. He's like, we're going to do it. Just tell us what we need to do. And then his team did it. And I, I That must be nice. I was over there several times, and I saw that car up on the rack and the engine out of that thing. Um, and by the way, just being able to walk around and just peek around that car with no engine in it and see the engine on a stand, it's, it's pretty badass. It's just a work of art. Yeah. It's, it's just everything about that car. The, it just transcends time. It's just a beautiful car still. Um, anyway, so moving forward on uh, on the idea of affordable uh, sports cars, uh, we talked about the uh, the Mustang Mach 1 coming out, and we weren't sure if this was going to be just a replacement to the Bullet, which which we'd like. You know, Bullet, bang for the buck, 50 grand, magnetic ride, you know, uh, Tremec transmission, the big brakes, you know, uh, a little extra horsepower, 480 horsepower. But what we're finding out is the Mach 1 could be a replacement for both the Bullet and the GT350. So instead of being a $50,000 car, it could fit into that high 50, low 60s range because we have a GT performance pack that is arguably as good as the Bullet. Mm-hmm. So where does the uh, the Mach 1 f- fit in? But now we're finding out that Ford is saying – this could be the best handling Mustang they've built, better than the GT350, which was fantastic. Um, it, uh, it'll have a naturally aspirated engine, which is obviously different than the GT500. Um, and we were thinking 480, 490 horsepower, but now they're saying, hey, no, no, this could be 525 horsepower. But the big difference is, is, is this, 525 horsepower, and the GT350 was 526, so basically the same. But the GT350 had 429 pound-feet of torque, and this is going to have uh, 450. So the added torque is going to make a, a difference for this thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. I, I look when I posted some of the the. The spy photos. Um, I know a lot of guys commented and said, uh, "No, no, uh, no shaker hood scoop like the the early G- or, uh, Mach ones." And in two thousand four, two thousand three, they did another Mach one, which is kind of cool. It had the the three oh five horsepower, um, maybe it was three ten or I think uh, motor out of the Cobras, out of the naturally aspirated Cobras, mm-hmm. but with the shaker hood scoop and stuff. And I was like, yeah, it would be cool to have that. I don't know how they get it to work with the Coyote engine. They could figure it out. But also, that's the beauty of the aftermarket and our, our SEMA show is, is of course, somebody's going to come out with a Shaker oh, Hood Scoop yeah. version. Um, uh, this company, CDC, that a lot of the Mustang guys know, um, they they did a version a, a while back. Uh, and I'm sure they're they're already thinking, how do we how do we make that happen? Um but, uh, Can you get the rear window louvers as a uh, as an option? I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know if it's <laughs> going to come on this car, but I'm sure the aftermarket's going to get that as well. Uh, and I'm, the aftermarket's always going to come up with some goofy things as well that nobody really wants, but they're like, it's cheap and it'll be fun. Um, but anyway, that's kind of a neat idea. Uh, uh, While you're that, on the aftermarket, kind of what's the latest? 
I know you've had to have heard something. What's the latest on SEMA? SEMA's happening. Actually, uh, I had a good conversation with uh, with our buddies at Magnaflow as well, and mm-hmm. they're making some changes to what's going on at SEMA. But SEMA is happening. Um, I think uh, there are going to be um, fewer booths overall. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's partly a decision on SEMA and partly a financial decision. SEMA often has a lot of smaller booths, first-time exhibitor exhibitors that are, you know, trying to get buyers and sign them up. Mm-hmm. But 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 it's a big investment for them to go to a show like that. So um, a lot of the big companies will all still be there because the way SEMA works is is you're kind of grandfathered in to the good spots until you give it up. So uh, during this whole coronavirus thing, and uh, we talked about the airlines having to fly basically empty planes because if they don't stick on their schedule, they lose their seniority, right? Same thing with with, with the floor plan at SEMA is if a, if a GM or a Ford or an Edelbrock or a, or a Magnaflow or a Meguiar's, like all the good... Uh, this, they got a lot of good premium spots. If they don't show up, they they kind of get bumped down the list. So they're all going to show up with possibly slightly different booths um, just to keep uh, keep their slots there. Um, it's very likely there's going to be less of the big hospitality gatherings and um, probably far fewer, if not zero like celebrity signings um they're just trying to avoid people standing in long lines and and shaking hands you know with 300 people um but i i you know i guess every company can kind of figure that out on their own i don't know if that's a mandate for from sema or that's each one of the companies is going to be able to figure that out so it's going to be a little bit different sema than what we've known in the past but i would still fully expect a lot of great parts, a lot of great cars debuting there, a lot of people, and uh, a lot of you know people wearing, wearing masks. I don't know if it's going to be mandatory or not yet. I, I think they're still figuring that out. But booth selection has happened, and registration is now open. Uh, so right. media and the attendees that, uh, that are allowed to go um, can start uh, making that plan. Um, I would hope that that if if it is a smaller SEMA show this year, maybe, you know, things like hotel rooms and Uber lines are all a little more accessible, a little more affordable, um, and, uh, you know, maybe just sort of a scaled-down version of the event. I don't know what it does for Apex, right? Because Apex is that other show that happens in the sands. Um, but Apex is made up of a lot of of international companies and I, I think there's going to be certain rules on just everything with, you know, with our country, like how many people can fly in and out of the country and where can they fly out of. And, and we have limitations on, on Asian flights right now, I think the two flights a day or something like that. Um, so that may come into a play as well. So um, I'm looking forward to a SEMA. I, I will go um, take whatever precautions we need to take. Um, I'm always excited about seeing what's new there and seeing the parts and catching up with with friends from the industry that I don't normally get to see in person. They're all over the country. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I just don't think there's going to be any live podcasting. I don't think we're going to be doing any podcasting from there. We're not going to do any signing events. Um, 
uh, I think it's just going to be sort of a different version of, of that. Yeah. Different normal is going to apply to everything. So yeah. I'm curious, I'm curious to see, I heard some rumblings and I heard about the, <clears throat> one of my vehicles going into a certain booth, but, uh, so I kind of wanted to find out the, the latest on it. So thank you, man. That's, that's, that's great to hear. You know, uh, and we could get into that a little bit more off the air, but, um, but what I would expect would be, uh, because there's going to be like no, uh, n- no signings and no podcasting and no like celebrity appearances in the traditional way that will open up space for more feature cars, uh, mm-hmm. I, and possibly different displays for parts, but I think there's going to be more cars invited to show both indoor and outdoor, um, than, uh, than we've seen before. So, so yes, uh, I haven't made any deals yet on sending a car or a truck or anything there yet, but, um, uh, you know, it, and it can be a lot of work to get, <laughs> getting a car over there. Um, oh, yes. Uh, and because I was more motivated on getting maybe the truck, getting the lightning back there, sort of the phase two of the lightning over yeah. there. But because we were shut down so much of this year, um, I would want to only show the truck like with the Dart engine, and the new engine and the supercharger and the whole thing kind of done. And, uh, well, we are moving forward with that. I spoke to Dart. They are building the engine for me. Um, But everything is sort of slowed down. There's fewer people working. There's more social distancing in the factories and in the machine shops and everything. So, um, And there's been work that's been backed up. So I I just don't know that the timing is going to make sense for me to have have the truck there or something else there. I'd like to, but uh, I'm not— I'm not pushing it this year because everybody's been stressing out a lot this year and and for good reason. So um, I'm not too worried about whether uh, I have a truck there or not. There's always the following year and other events. Um, But, uh, yes, it would be cool to see uh, in person some of the builds that we know are happening will be done soon. We'd love to see your charger and some things like that. but. Um, speaking of uh, Dodge Challenger 50th anniversary uh, edition, and uh, I think it's mostly uh, this is a new. Yeah, it's just a trim pack coming out from Dodge, but they're going to be limited edition. They're gonna they're gonna do uh, uh, 1960 cars, 1,960 cars, and there will be 70 in each of the seven colors, and. You can get the uh, the anniversary edition package on different chargers. Uh, I think on the wait, the challengers maybe it's going to be. I think yeah. it's just going to be the challenger, but you can get it on you know an RT, an RT Scat Pack, the wide body, um, and uh, uh, and a few of the others. So it's going to be kind of interesting. I do like this new this new gray color that they're doing. Uh, I don't I don't recall what the name of it is, but uh, sort of a, a heard a lot of rumblings that it was similar to triple nickel, which is what the red eye is. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it Yeah, I don't see the name of the color, but it, but it has um, maybe a little bit darker version of that it has a little bit more gunmetal yeah. in it. The triple nickel has a little bit more. It's a sort of a lighter version. It's like a, yeah. it's a it's a cool version of a of a 
of a silver where this feels a little bit more of a gray. They're going to do um, a, a gold wheel, uh, some cool packages. So, again, if you're looking for something a little different, maybe something that holds its value a little bit better, but you don't want to drop the coin on, on you know, some of the some of the more expensive versions, high horsepower versions of that car. These are these. What's the base? Uh, so I, I did have pricing. So the package, the optional package is uh, is about five grand on the Challenger RTS and uh, fifty five hundred on the RT Scat packs, um, and then the wide body uh, is I think six grand. Uh, for for these packages, and they have a, a bunch of different color options as well. So it's not like like as much as we love the bullet. The bullet is only in green and black, and uh, yeah. uh, you know you're you're never going to get a red version of that unless you do it yourself. So um, a, a number of colors is uh, optional that they have. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up in a minute, but I just want to give you guys a little update on the Ford Bronco because uh, uh, we're all excited about the Bronco. Um, of course, things haven't changed as far as what we understand the lineup to be. We have a regular Bronco, which will be a two-door and a four-door version. Um, I believe built off of uh, one of the truck platforms or arguably maybe the Explorer and Aviator platform. Uh, uh, I had the information. I knew the information. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. But we've got the uh, Bronco Sport, which is the smaller version, which will probably be on, on like, the Lincoln Corsair and the Ford uh, Escape platform. Um, two-door and four-door versions? I don't know if there's a two-door and four-door version of the Sport. I think it's just going to be a small, possibly four-door uh, compact SUV Um but the the Bronco two door and four door and possibly hard top and soft top versions of it as well. Um, but you know we we spoke to Ford. We had Jim Farley on, and he was saying, "Hey, we kind of flubbed the Ranger launch um, because we didn't offer n- enough accessories and options directly from the dealer, like from the factory or through the dealer." And they don't want to make that mistake. So they're going all in with a ton, I don't know, 1,500 different accessories, different configurations. Um, and uh, and from the way we understand it is, is there would be a Bronco Raptor. Uh, now, I don't know if it's literally going to be called a Raptor, but they want to do a more off-roady version of this. And uh, the engine is interesting. I, I, I don't hate this idea. I like this idea. Um it would be the 400 horsepower, three liter twin turbo V6, the EcoBoost engine that's out of the Explorer ST and the and the Lincoln Aviator. Now, Lincoln Aviator also takes that engine and pairs it up with a hybrid drivetrain to get almost 600 horsepower out of it. Um, but a 400 horsepower version of of a Bronco could be kind of cool. And again. Absolutely. You know, give this thing a year or two, and it's going to be the most tricked out thing at the SEMA show, right? Everybody's going to be making parts for this thing, and that 400 horsepower is going to turn into 550, 570 all day long. In a heartbeat. And, you know, with with a good solid engine and the the turbo power, the the original uh, debut of this was going to be in March. It got delayed for obvious reasons. It's going to be happening in July 
Um, and so we'll get some more information on that. Of course, it's going to be everywhere when it happens. Um, but now Ford has got a bunch of things. They've got their Mach-E coming out. We've got a new F-150 coming out, possibly a new F-150, a new uh, electric or hybrid F-150, uh, a new Raptor, all coming out within the, in the next few months. Announcements will be made on that as well. Now, uh, I don't think it's it's a a huge departure on on the platform, um, but it is not just a facelift. This is a new F one fifty. It's going to be. Uh, I don't think the design is going to change that much, but uh, they they've been doing a lot of work on this thing to be able to offer you know hybrids and possibly an all EV version of it, um, which will be uh, which will be pretty cool, pretty interesting to see. Uh, the rumor on the Raptor is they may go back to a V8 engine. Uh, they did the big V8, right? And then they did the 450 horsepower EcoBoost, the V6 twin yep. turbo. They may go back to a V8 version. And I don't know if that's just a Coyote-based engine or, or what they're going to do there. Um, I One of the biggest complaints about uh, the Raptor um, from a few friends that have them now and people in the aftermarket is the engine actually doesn't sound very good and even when the aftermarket world does an exhaust on it they still don't really love it the companies making the exhaust don't necessarily love it and 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 the guys that own it you know they're like oh cosmetically it's cool i get the black tips or whatever but they just it's just tough to make that engine sound good um of course we know there's nothing more uh, you know uh to somebody's personal preference than the sound of a vehicle. Uh, so some people are going to love it. Some people won't. But the general consensus has been a little bit like you're saying with the Senna is is not everybody loves the design. Well, not everybody loves the sound of the current Raptor. So the idea of of going back to a V8, I think, uh, probably helps out. Listen, if, if a new Raptor can sound anything like that GT500 I've got out front right now. Oh, God, yeah. That truck would be badass, especially if you can tune the exhaust and put it in its quiet mode and track mode and sport mode. Um, It would be be, uh, pretty crazy. But um, anyway, there's... More news, more stuff going on, but we're going to wrap. We're going to wrap this up. We've got to give up the studio to the next show. But um, anything else? Anything else going on? You said uh, Gearhead Fabrications working on the Charger. Man, yeah, I want to get Mario on to give a rundown of uh, what they got going with the motor, but the turbo system's being done right now. Finishing up on that. Okay, I think the cage is in. Um, Like I said, I need a, a, a progress report from mario to get exactly where we are but uh, i think we're about 30 days away from it going to uh it going to our boys at speed car and i think we're about 45 days away from me seeing it possibly yeah all right well that's excellent let's maybe see if we can try to fit it in maybe we'll try to do it for next week we're gonna have uh uh our, our old friend tyson sullivan um uh, actor friend of ours he's been on the show a few times he's going to give us an update on the humvee that they've been building and we're going to talk to the guys at plan b out of utah that built it just a little recap a reminder i flew to utah with these guys and we ordered up this custom built humvee and they've made a few changes to it along the way which we'll get into um, but uh, they took delivery of it and they're doing the right thing the guys trailered it out there uh, to where they live in arizona 
they put a few hundred miles on it while they were in town, the guys who built it, and then they handed it over and they said, we'll be on a plane in, in a couple of weeks. We're going to check in. You just take down all your notes of things that you like or don't like, and we'll start addressing it. And if we can fix it on the spot, fine, or tune it differently or whatever. Um, or if we need to, we'll trailer it back and we'll get it back in the shop. Like there's a lot, when you do something this custom, as you know, as we all know, uh, you can't just hand it over and uh, and expect it to be perfect. You you got to really do some work and get some miles on it and dial it in and and uh, and it could look it could be anything. It'd be like, hey, uh, five hundred miles in, the AC stopped working. Something's going on. I blew a fuse or whatever, you know. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I want to see his. I want to see his face after he's put a couple hundred miles on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's it's pretty badass. They they build themselves, you know, sort of a, a zombie apocalypse vehicle, and it's it's uh it's going to be pretty cool to see. But also, these That's guys awesome. these guys are using it the right way. As soon as they got it, they're like, let's find some dirt, you know, let's go find the, some mountains, oh, yeah. and rock climb, and get it out there. But uh, uh, so we'll see if we can get them on along with um, maybe we can chat with uh, with Mario at Gearhead as well. So maybe we'll put that on the document mm-hmm. next week. All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, A fun show. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed that. That's a fun show. And if you do, you know, be sure to uh, hop onto iTunes. Give us a nice little rating. We always appreciate that, and it helps. Uh, You know, we're apart these days, but we are sharing more. And Geico would just like to say thanks for that. Thanks for sharing all your cool videos and car stuff and dance moves and DIY haircut fails and inner lip sync star that you may be, your dance uh, jumping around like maniac, your pet videos, all the cool stuff. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, Geico would like to share as well. And they're giving out the Geico Give Back. It's a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. And because Geico is committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Go to geico.com slash giveback. That's geico.com slash giveback.